Once again, on this Lord's Day, it's nice to be back with you, and uh, back with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here for a series, and we've been looking at the revelation of God and His eternal plan. And He dispenses it in progressive revelation, not all at once. And when He gives special revelation, it's called a dispensation to Bible or an administration where He dispenses this revelation. And so we've been looking at that, and we're going to be continue to looking at his revelation through covenants after lunch and so on. But, but I just want to kind of stall what we were talking on yesterday. Uh, as you open your Bibles, please, to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, please. The epistle of 1 John and chapter 3. We learn that the church age is in the dispensation of grace, not law. Not what we do for God, but what He does for us to save us through Christ. But even though there's coming judgment on this world before the kingdom comes, God is not going to let us go through that wrath and judgment, that we're going to be taken out. And the Lord Himself is coming back to the air to take those in the age of grace to be with the Lord before judgment falls. Now, this is part of the revelation. When Paul teaches what we call the rapture, he prefaces it in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Not Pauline opinion. Not assembly tradition. We say it by the word of the Lord. When he reveals the rapture in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and all, he says, 51 and on, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Uh, it's a mystery. And a mystery is something where God gives it by revelation. It comes from divine revelation. It's not observation. You don't get it by meditation. God reveals it through His apostles and prophets. So we've been looking at some of that revelation. And we showed how the church age, we stand on a promise, I will come again, the Lord Jesus said in John 14:3. And based on the coming again in this dispensation of grace for the church, I have you in 1 John chapter 3. And I just want to kind of amplify a principle from yesterday here. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. When he shall appear, he's going to appear again. I will come again. And we will be like him. But notice this section called it a hope. Every man that hath this hope in him. It's an anticipation we, we live for that I will come again. The Lord Jesus is going to appear again. And save us from this world and this judgment and so on. But because that is true, because we know He's coming and there's victory ahead, it has a practical effect. Look again at verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. If we're going to see the pure one, do we want to be dirty when we see him? So we need to be saved. And then if we in some sin, we need to confess it and deal with it. And he forgives us of that sin based on his blood. 
And so because he's coming, there's a practical effect because I'm going to see him that I'm in this hope, I purify my soul. So that we live in light of the return of Jesus Christ our Lord. And living in the light of his return will affect what I do now. Now, we mentioned a little bit of that yesterday, but what I just want to do in this session, before we go back to our covenants and charts after lunch, is just take you to an Old Testament setting where something in the future governed what the people did now. Because something was going to happen in the future, it governed what they did now, and it'll help us understand the anticipation of the coming again of the Lord Jesus. So go with me into the Old Testament to Leviticus chapter 25. Uh, the book of Leviticus... And chapter 25, please. Book of Leviticus, chapter 25. Understanding the language of Romans 15:4, that whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That the Old Testament is written for our learning. We can learn things from it. That's what we want to attempt by the help of God to do today. Now, Leviticus 25, it's speaking of, of special Sabbaths of times of rest. You know in the Jewish economy that one day a week, the seventh day, the Jews were to rest. One day a week. It's called a Sabbath. But here in Leviticus 25, it's going to get bigger. You're going to see that the land itself, while the farmers would farm it for six years, the land was to have a sabbatical rest every seventh year to kind of replenish itself. And then something even bigger than that. But let's just see here a few things here. Leviticus 25 starts this way in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come to the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. So on the seventh year, you quit farming. You didn't go out and pick it. You didn't sow any more seed for next year. It entered into the land entered into a seven-year Sabbath rest on the seventh year, I should say. Verse 5. That which groweth of its own accord of the harvest, thou shalt not reap, neither gather the grapes of thy vine undressed, for it is a year of rest unto the land. And the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you or food for you, for thee and for thy servant, and for thy maid, and for thy hired servant, and for thy stranger that sojourneth with thee. And for thy cattle, and for the beasts that are in the land, thou shalt all increase thereof be meat. Verse 8. Uh, and thou shalt number... Well, let me just stop here before I go on here. Now, you're in an agricultural society. And here comes the seventh year. You're not allowed to go out and pick anything. You're not allowed to sow anything for the eighth year. So what are you going to eat the seventh year and the eighth year? What are you going to eat? You know, here you're doing something for God. You're, you're letting this land rest for various reasons. But who will sustain you? Look what it goes on here to say further in chapter 25. In chapter 25, and uh, look at verse 20. Leviticus 25, 20. And if ye shall say, What shall we eat the seventh year? Behold, we shall not sow, nor gather in our increase. Then I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year. And it shall bring forth fruit for three years. And ye shall sow the eighth year and eat of the old fruit of the, until the ninth year. Until her fruits come in, ye shall eat of the old store. God says, you honor me. 
And in the sixth year, your crops are going to produce triple. It'll feed you the sixth year. They'll feed you the seventh year. And since you weren't allowed to sow the seventh year, it'll feed you the eighth year. And so God says, I will bless you. I will sustain you. It wouldn't match a financial planner here, you know, to, to not be sowing the seventh year and reaping and so on. But God says, I'll just triple it on the sixth year. And so one of the things we see here first is God takes care of his people. When we honor him, he will meet our needs. Just a very practical thing starting here. You know, the Lord Jesus taught the world seeks after what shall we eat, what shall we wear, they strive for it. You know what he said in Matthew 6.33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We've lived to see that. That he will add. He will, not that you shouldn't work in that, but you put him first. You don't say, well, this comes first. No, the Gentiles do that. You, know. you put God first, and he, he will see that your needs are met. When Paul wrote the Philippian assembly who had fellowship with him, who will meet the Philippians' need? They're sharing with others. Paul wrote them in Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You, you, you put God first. You don't have to worry about the seventh year and the eighth year. You'll get three years of food on the sixth year. So you can do it God's way and God will take care of you. Now, that is how chapter 25 of Leviticus starts. But it only talks about a seven-year Sabbath. On the seventh year, the land rest. Then, if you multiply seven times seven, you get 49 years. And then that 50th year is going to be a very special year when they're not allowed to sow either. And that 50th year, all kind of things happen. So, let, let's go here to uh, chapter 25 again and uh, verse 8 now. Leviticus 25 and verse 8. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee seven times seven years. And the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then thou shalt cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement. Shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall uh, uh, return uh, every man unto his possession, and you shall return every man unto his family. A jubilee shall that fifty year be unto you. Ye shall neither sow nor reap that which groweth of itself in it, nor gather grapes in it of the vine and undressed. Now after seven times seven, forty-nine years, comes the fiftieth year. On the seventh month and the tenth day, they were to blow a trumpet, and it was called the year of jubilee. They were to sound the trumpet. Liberty was to proclaim without the land. Now, they couldn't sow anything that year either. It was a very special year. I'd like to talk a little bit first about the Israeli year of jubilee. Looking again back here, if you would, at uh, verse 9. Then thou shalt cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound. The word jubilee there in verse 9 means to shout. You'll cause the trumpet to make a shouting sound. It's translated as shout elsewhere in the Bible. So the trumpet's going to make a sound of a shout. And the date it's going to happen is on the tenth day of the seventh month. So when this 50th year of liberty comes, it's announced with a trumpet blow making a shouting sound. For it is jubilation here, you see. They're going to proclaim liberty throughout the land. could have happened any day. 
God says, I want you to do it on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the Jewish holy day calendar, you know what the tenth day of the seventh month was? The day of atonement. Jews call it Yom Kippur today. A day when God would cleanse Israel from all their sins. Seventh day, month, tenth day. You can study it in the scriptures. The high priest would go into the holiest of holiest with the blood of the spotless sacrifice, put it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat, and the results of presenting that sacrificial blood to God in the presence of the holiest place in the language of Leviticus 16.30, speaking of Day of Atonement. On that day, the priest shall cleanse you to make an atonement for you, that ye may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. And so on that day, Israel experienced because of the blood that was shed and presented to God, Israel was clean from all their sins before the Lord. So it's this jubilee, whatever it's going to accomplish, is accomplishing for a people who are clean from all their sins before the Lord. That's the exact day. God said you could have picked any day, but God didn't. The day of atonement when they would be clean from all their sins before the Lord. It's a wonderful thing to be clean from all your sins before the Lord. So what's going to happen next? These people that are cleansed from all their sins, suddenly they hear the shout of the trumpet, jubilee blows, and, and, and then they set apart that. And look again at verse 10, uh, what happens here. Uh, and ye shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. You see, in Israel's economy, you... If you were a clan, one of the tribes, that land you had belonged to your inheritance forever. And if you got poor or had hard times, you had to sell a piece of property to survive, a piece of farming property. Uh, you weren't going to sell it forever. You couldn't sell it forever. God said, look a little further down in the chapter here. Look how it works here. Verse 23. The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, God says. For ye are strangers and sojourn in it. And in all the land of your possession, you shall grant a redemption for the land. So if you sold a piece of land, what had to happen is that land, after 50 years, when the year of Jubilee came, you returned to your possession. So you sold it, but it was like leasing it. The person could use it, they could farm it, but it would come back to you when that trumpet made the shout, the sound, on the year of Jubilee. And so you would return every man to your possession. So it would stay in the inheritance that God gave it to for his people. Yes, hard times might come. Now, there's a whole bunch of details we're not going to read here in chapter 25 that have to do if it's in the city, out of the city, and uh, 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 when you sell it. But in essence, here's what happened. If you're going to sell this piece of land, you, you've come into hard times. And uh, say it's just one year past Jubilee, and there's 48 years left, 49 years left. Before the trumpet sounds again, okay, you can get a big price for it. You know, if it's worth 300000 you can get 300000 The guy gets to farm it, you know, for 48, 49 years. But if there's only two years left, you sell it in the 47th year, and Jubilee's just a couple years away, do you think you're going to get full price? Uh-uh. No, you're not. So you have to count the days to Jubilee. So every transaction they made, they would make it in light of the sounding of the trumpet. It would determine the value of what they had. 
Uh, is it worth this much? Well, how far is a trumpet sound away? Well, if it's real close, it, it's not worth a whole lot. I can get rid of it now, but I get it back in two years. So the person's not going to pay a big price for it. You, you can read the details on your own. And so all their transactions, because of the sounding of the trumpet, the year of Jubilee, was always with an ear tune. When will Jubilee happen? That'll determine the value of what I'm investing in. Every man will return to his possession. Did you see that in verse 10? But also at the end of verse 10, and every man unto his family, every man unto his family. You would not only get your possession back, if you came on hard times, you said, I can't find a job. And I'm going to have to hire myself out as a servant. And uh, I'm going to have to be somebody's servant. Well, here's the guidelines on it. Go a little farther down in Leviticus 25. 25. And let's go to verse 39. Leviticus 25 and verse 39. And if thy brother that, wax, that, that dwelleth by thee be waxen poor and be sold unto thee, thou shalt not compel him to serve as a bondservant. So here's a Hebrew brother and he's poor. You're not going to treat him as a slave. You're not going to own him. But he's going to act as your hired servant. Verse 40. But as an hired servant, and as a sojourner, he shall be with thee, and he shall serve thee unto the year of Jubilee. So he, he's a servant here, and he has to put himself under you and do what you tell him. He's a hired servant, but he only serves you till that trumpet sounds. When that trumpet sounds, he's free. And look what it goes on to say in verse 41. And then he shall depart from thee, both he and his children with him, and shall return unto his own family and to the possession of his father's shall he return. He not only goes back to his possession, whatever mother, brother, whatever relatives he has, he's back to his own family. So the year of Jubilee was exciting. The trumpet would blow. They've just been cleansed from all their sins. It's going to go into another rest, that land, for that year. And if you've lost any of your possessions and hadn't been able to redeem them, then you were absolutely guaranteed you're going to get your possession, your inheritance back in the year of Jubilee. And if you were separated from loved ones because you became a hired servant, you're going to be reunited with the family on the year of Jubilee. Think it was an exciting year? Huh? Uh, keeping the sound, the value of things, the hope of things, all goes around the trumpet sound, proclaim liberty throughout the land. So in Israel's economy, value, purchases, uh, everything seemed to revolve around this year of Jubilee. Now, that's the picture. We're not Israel today, are we? You know what? We have an inheritance, don't we? Huh? Peter tells the born-again Christian now, as we go to the spiritual level, the age of grace, that we have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for us, 1 Peter 1.4. We have a heavenly inheritance. And maybe there's some of you here today, we're not in our inheritance yet. And down here we're serving the Lord amongst this world and our body, our flesh. We're in servitude to the Lord in that sense. And maybe there's some of you, and you've lost loved ones that are Christians. Maybe they're family. Maybe there's brothers and sisters in the Lord. And they're gone. And you long to see them as well as the Lord. You long to see them someday. Is it going to happen? Are we always going to be in this body and servitude and the infirmities of the flesh? Will we always be absent from heaven? The answer, of course, is no. Will we be reunited with our loved ones someday? You see, 
We, in, in a sense, have a year of jubilee ahead of us. It's called the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for His church. When He comes to the air, I will come again, He said in John 14, 3. So let's just look at a few scriptures of the coming back of Christ and see how it just might remind us of the year of jubilee, our jubilee, the coming of Jesus Christ for us. So let's go to John 14, New Testament now. John chapter 14. Gospel of John in chapter 14, what the Lord Jesus said when He was on earth here. Verse 1, John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. So we have a possession that's in heaven, our heavenly inheritance, Peter calls it. God gives it to us as a gift when we're saved. There's dwelling places or mansions for us. He's preparing them. What will get you there? Well, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He's coming again. And we're going to return. We're going to go to our possession, just like they went to their possession. When the Lord Jesus comes again, this mansions that He's preparing, these dwelling places, we go to them. I will come again and receive you unto Myself. Who goes? Well, who went back to their possession on the day of Jubilee? The people that were cleansed from all their sins before the Lord. The priest had just sprinkled the blood. He has just announced to Israel that ye may be clean from all your sins before the Lord, Leviticus 16.30. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about people that are saved. People that are clean from our sins. People in the language of 1 John 1.7, the believers told, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. This isn't for everybody. It's for people who know the Lord. I'll receive you unto Myself. So those of us that are saved, that's why you want to be saved, someday you'll get to your inheritance when the Lord Jesus comes. Now, when He comes again, how does He choose to come? It's very interesting. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. He could just stay in heaven and say, just get up here. You know? But it, there's a strategy to it. Look, look, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13, as we said, not only will we go to our possession, those of you that have lost loved ones that are believers, I've lost my dad and mom, many of you have, uh, uh, other brothers and sisters I long to see that we once knew, and you long to see them. Will you ever see your Christian family again? That's what 1, Corinthians, or 1 Thessalonians 4 is going to tell you. You will see them again, but look how. Look at verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. The world's in disaster and tragedy when they lose somebody. Uh, but we sorrow, but, but we have a hope. Not only will we return to our possession, we're going to return to our family. <laughs> Look at verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again... Even so them also which sleep in Jesus 
will God bring with Him? He died and rose again. He's coming back. He's going to bring the spirits of those that have already died. Uh, their body died, but their spirits with the Lord. And He brings their spirit back. Look at verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. This is revelation. This isn't some scientific observation. This is things revealed to Paul. This we say by the word of the Lord. The Lord Jesus has revealed this, okay, in this dispensation. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. We don't precede. We don't go before those who have already died. Verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Huh. Jubilee. The shouting, the sounding of the trumpet. He comes back with a shout. Look what else it says. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. The trumpet's going to blow again. And there's going to be a shout. And when the Lord, it's going to be, we're going to return to our possession in heaven. We'll go to our, the home. In my Father's house are many mansions. But we're going to be reunited with every Christian that has died. And when is it going to happen? At the blowing of the trumpet. And there's going to be a shout from the Lord. It's going to be our jubilee. Who's it for? Those that are cleansed. And look what it goes on to say here. And I'll reread verse 16. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. That's those that have already asleep in Christ. In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's a comfort. You're going to return to your family someday. You're going to return to your, go to your possession someday when the trumpet sounds, when the Lord Jesus comes to the air. This isn't coming to the earth to judge the world. That, that, that happens at the end of the seven years. We were on that yesterday. This is a special meeting for the church. We're caught up, dead or alive, together. And we're reunited with the Lord. He takes us first home to his father's house. And we see one another as well as our Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul teaches this same rapture catching up truth, in 1 Corinthians 15, he puts it this way in verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. Now, a mystery is something that wasn't told before but now revealed. Divine revelation that God gave him in this dispensation. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Okay. Verse 52 says, In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. The trumpet shall sound. Twice he connects it with the trumpet. That's jubilee. When the trumpet sounds, when it makes that shout, the blowing of the trumpet for those that are cleansed, what happens in that glorious year, it's proclaiming liberty throughout the land. I'm reunited. I'm back. I have my possession now. Never mind the hard times I went through. I'm back with my family, united with the family of God, going to your heavenly inheritance. It is a time of liberty. You know, as Philippians 3.21 puts it this way, for our conversation or some will have citizenship is in heaven. From whence we look for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That when He comes, He shall change our vow bodies to be fashioned like unto His glorious body. There's a day of redemption coming. Look at it a little more. Look at what it's called here as you go to Romans chapter 8, please. Romans 8. What's ahead of us? If you're saved. 
Romans chapter 8. Right into the believers here. And I just want to break in here in chapter 8 uh, of Romans here. If you'll go down to verse 21. Romans 8 and verse 21. Look what we're told here. Because the creature itself, or creation itself, also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Even creation is going to get away from earthquakes, hurricanes, blights, mildew, pestilence, and that. And it's going to be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Speaking of this time, this coming kingdom, it's called the glorious liberty of the children of God. You know what we're going to be free from? Well, a whole lot of things. But, but look what it goes on to say further here uh, in verse 23. And not only that, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Year of Jubilee, you had to grant a redemption. That means, that means you get back what's yours. You're released from your present circumstances. You're delivered from your circumstances. You get to what's really yours. There's the redemption of the body coming. Liberty, the glorious liberty. That yes, we're saved. If you're saved, you, you won't go to hell. Your sins are forgiven. But did you know your body is, still has sin in it? Your body's getting old. You, you don't need me to tell you that. Okay? Uh, it gets gray hair just like an unsaved body. It gets sick just like an unsaved body. But he's going to change that body. When that trumpet blows, there's going to be redemption of the body, not the land now. But you're going to have a body like his. I already talked about it in Romans 8. Look at verse 11. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or impart life your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You know, we, we have a, Jew, a liberty coming. There's a redemption of our body. We're going to be released from our present circumstances. We're going to go to our heavenly possession with new bodies like Christ. We're going to be reunited with the family of God. When will it happen? When the trumpet blows. And there will be a great shout. Are you ready? It's our year of Jubilee. I will come again. Now in Israel's economy, they knew when the trumpet would blow, didn't they? You count 49 more years after the blowing of the trumpet. And then comes the 50th year and you're back in Jubilee. So they could date it right on their calendar. And they would live in expectation of that. We're not given a date when the trumpet's going to blow. It's not like Israel. If we knew the date, you'd say, oh, i got ten years to, you know, sow wild oats and things like that. No, no. Uh, he could come today. I will. This coming to the air does not need signs to it. He's just promised to do it. I will come again. So we, don't, we need to live in this hope of expect, expect, you know, to be expectant of Him coming again. There, you don't have a date. And that's why we need to live in light of His coming. He's coming. And just like back then, it changed the value of things. If you're 300,000 piece of property and you're in the 49th year, and there's only eight months left, and you say, I'd like 300,000 for it, they'd laugh at you and say, yeah, yeah, right. You know, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. I get it for a few months, you know. And if you went to buy something, and you went to buy it in that 49th year, you're not going to give them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Just a little bit. Because you're valuing things by the sound of the trumpet. If we're saved, are we living in light of the Lord's coming? How do we value this world? It'll affect 
your practical decisions today. How do you value this and that? You know, some things I see when we travel and they're very fancy and nice to go to the Bahamas or something. Man, but they're always expensive. And sometimes I'll just say to my wife, you know, I'd get that if I was going to live forever. (laughs) But I'm not going to be here forever. So, you know, Uh, it changes the value. When you get a hold of the coming again of Christ, you'll see, does this really matter? And this is temporary. Yes, I'm in a maybe a servant situation, but it's not forever. The trumpet's going to sound. You live in the hope of that. And this is the hope that keeps Christians going. I will come again. So I just want to amplify from yesterday this tremendous promise for this dispensation of grace that He's coming again to save us from the wrath of God. But to show you a picture in the Old Testament, it's at the sounding of the trumpet, the year of Jubilee. If you're going to hear that trumpet, it sounded on the Day of Atonement. The covering of sin, didn't it? You have to be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Or those that weren't, it, you know, if you weren't clean from all your sins, it, 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 that's why it was to happen on that day. Are you saved? Have you trusted Christ? And he says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if you're saved, you say, what really guides my life, you know? Oh, I'm going to graduate here and uh, I'm going to be there. No, no, what, what really guides your life? It should be, I will come again. That's, it, the trumpet, there's going to be a shout. There's going to be liberty. There's going to be redemption. You're going to go to your possession, your heavenly inheritance. You're going to go to your family, the family of God. And when that is your hope, it will change everything. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. May God encourage you in our year of Jubilee, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for his family. He's coming again. Let's just ask God's blessing in prayer. Our God and Father, we just close in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a Savior He is. He died, He lives, but He's coming again. And Lord, as we can picture ancient Israel having that hope and counting the days. Well, we don't have a date to count toward, but we have an event to count toward. The coming of Christ. Could be today. And how, when we live in that, it changes the value of everything because it's all changed by the blowing of the trumpet. <laughs> and they understood that. And so just help us to understand that the way the Lord is coming, it, uh, it, to proclaim liberty for us and, and to grant us this right of redemption, Lord, we just thank Thee. It includes the redemption of the body. We just pray here that if there's any not saved, that they'll, uh, they'll see they need to be cleansed. It's only for the cleansed people. They need a Savior, and they'll come to the Lord Jesus. And for those that are saved, whatever decisions we're going through, may we measure it up against the sound of the trumpet, I will come again, and it might change the value of what we're involved in. And so we just pray for the encouragement of thy church this morning, in the name and for the glory of the blessed Lord Jesus Christ, Father, we ask it. Amen.